You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. We are part of the HarperCollins Presents network of podcasts. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and joining me today is Charles Dubow, the author of the novel Indiscretion, published in 2013, and a founding member of Forbes.com. Charles was also an editor at Businessweek.com, he was educated at Wesleyan University and New York University, and he's worked as a rastabout, a lumberjack, a sheep herder in New Zealand, and a congressional aide. He lives in Connecticut, and his new novel, Girl in the Moonlight, was just published by William Morrow Books. Welcome, Charles. Thank you. It's great to be here. First question. What exactly is a roustabout? <laughs> well, on uh, the oil fields, there are two kinds of workers. There are roughnecks and there are uh, uh, roustabouts. And the roughnecks are the uh, like elite. They're the ones who actually work on the rigs themselves, I mean, who actually uh, drill for uh, the oil. Uh, the roustabouts like the uh, cleanup crew. They are the ones who actually build the rigs and maintain the rigs and if, you know, fences need to come down or things, I mean, so they basically uh, are more like the uh, janitors of the oil business. Um, They also aren't paid as much. So if you're a roughneck, then you're kind of a big deal. So tell me, when did you do this and for how long and what um, led to it? Well, I was actually 18 years old. Um, I needed a summer job. I had a buddy who needed a, a summer job. Uh, my dad um, was in the oil and gas business, and he had a friend of his who ran a big oil company out in Oklahoma. One of his little subsidiaries was a drilling company um, in the town of Ardmore, Oklahoma. And so he so was able out to get out in the middle of nowhere. And he was able to get me a job, and it paid very well. I was 18 years old. I was making, I think, $14 an hour. Yeah. And then, then there was time and a half. And we worked about, you know, between 60 and 70 hours a week. And we lived in a crummy little motel. And we worked, you know, six, uh, uh, um, six days a week. And it was hot and miserable. Um, and it was a uh, dry town too. Oh, um, that's the worst combination. So right, so no, I mean, but but we didn't really have a lot of downtime, you know. So so we we kind of we worked, we'd be exhausted, we'd get home, we'd sleep, we'd work. You know, I mean, I mean, it was basically a cycle like that for a couple of months, and then I went back to to um, school in the fall. So it was like a three month job. So it's in some ways it prepared you for having a day job and writing a novel. In the, in the early morning hours, huh? Well, it certainly did that, but one of the nice things about it was that, um, you know, I, I always believed in actually working hard. Um, I had a lot of friends growing up who, when the summertime came, they'd go play golf at the club or yeah. something, you know, uh, um, or, you know, and I didn't like that idea. I felt I should do something that was maybe a little bit uh, tougher um, and, and would kind of would, would kind of take me out of my fairly comfortable world. When I was in college, I took a year off from college, and I went to work on a sheep ranch in uh, New Zealand uh, for, again, the same kind of reason. I wasn't really sure where I wanted to be going with my life at that point. Um, I, had been, I had actually been interested in painting. Um, I began to think maybe painting wasn't the right thing to do, um, and I just wanted to make sure, that, I mean, what am I doing with my four years in college? So, so after my sophomore year, 
I took a year off and I worked and I went to go work on a on a sheep ranch. Um, and that was, I mean, and I picked there because it was about as far away as I could get from you know, from New York and the East Coast. Yeah, and sort of that crowd. And, and still be able to speak a language. What led you to knowing that you wanted to write and, and pursuing writing? Well, um, during that year, um, I kind of began to move away from wanting to be a painter, and, and but still had a... Uh, creative kind of urge that I wanted to kind of use. And I had never actually tried to write before. Um, I had never been a uh, creative writer when I was in school. You hadn't studied it. I, don't, I mean, I like to read. Yeah. Um, but I'd never really written before. And uh, so, so, so I, you know, um, kept it quiet and I tried to write something. And, 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 and um, um, I actually, at that point, I mean, once I graduated from college, I went to work as a lumberjack. <laughs> Uh, and after that, then I moved to uh, London because, of course, when you're done kind of cutting down uh, trees in, in the Pacific Northwest, the, the natural thing to do, is, of course, is to go to London. So that's what I did. And, and, and I tried to write a novel there, um, which was never published. And I came back to the United States, and I wound up getting a job working on uh, a Capitol Hill. Okay. And so, so that's now we're getting closer to civilization. Right. I had been interested in living in Washington. Uh, I have some. I have a lot of family there. I, I have family who've been in government over the years, um, and so you know, uh, people who are in the State Department, the CIA, and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought that might be kind of a nice way for me to go ahead. Um, I, I was a little turned off by my time in Washington. I'm afraid, as, I, as I'm sure some people are. Whereas I'm sure there are, there are many uh, others who just think this is great and they want to be here. And I wound up uh, applying for jobs at magazines in New York. Um, and if people think it's hard to get a job in the magazine world now, they don't know what it was like back then. There weren't that many. Yeah, there weren't that many. And there was you know, still the, the And pressures. they were very competitive. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so I wound up getting a job at American Heritage. And then from there, I kind of moved into Forbes and the whole thing. Okay. So tell us a little bit about Girl in the Moonlight and tell us about um, Tricky w Wiley and Cheska hmm. and, and don't, you, you know, you can't give it away, but just try to, try to set the, set the mood um, for those that have not Well, there are two things about the book, really. One is, you know, there's a long-term relationship between this man, uh, Wiley, and this girl, uh, Cheska. And they meet when Wiley is 10 and Cheska is 12. He falls for her, and basically, it sets a pattern where 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 he's kind of trying to pursue her for, you know, the next couple of decades. Um, and she's beautiful and rich and very sophisticated and 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 um, hard to get. And and she leads him kind of a married dance. And and um, uh, every time he thinks that he's gotten her out of his system, she pops back into his life again. But the book is also, I think, about how to find your way in the world, um, how, to best, how, how to best lead your life. Um, I mean, these are characters who are trying very hard to figure out what should they do with themselves. And I think that, you know, I think that is something which a lot of people also feel, uh, um, you know, I mean, am, I mean, is this the right uh, career path? Is, is this the person that I should be with? Um, should I live here? Um, what am I good at? Um, and, I th and, so, and, and so I think that there's a lot of trial and, and error that, that, that people put in, and I think my characters go, go uh, through that as well. I also thought that it was about sort of 
when to express love and when to act on love. Right, yes. Because you know, yes, there's, there's a lot of that tension sure, between, between the two of them. Right. And then re- and regrets about action or right. inaction right. That, all, that a lot of us have, right? Right. I think people, when they read the book, will either think that uh, Cheska is great and sexy and wonderful, or they will think, wow, what a bitch. Yeah. Um, and do you care what they think about the, in I that I don't sense? know. I mean, because I, mean, I know how I feel about her. Yeah, which um, is... I know. like her. Yeah. I mean, I think she's kind of wonderful. Um, I think she's tough. I think she... I mean, I think it'd be... You know, she's definitely not the kind of person that you want to marry unless you've really got everything nailed down, you know. Um, but but she has this kind of sex appeal, this wildness, this, this uh, like, allure that is just so overwhelming, so overpowering. And, and, and it, it, in a way, you, you kind of can't help but get swept up by mm-hmm. her. We all know people like her or think we know people like her who think, you know, uh, people who we don't really know that well, but what we kind of see from uh, like a distance where you kind of think, well, you know, that person really has it all. You know, they're, they're, they're beautiful or rich or charming or fantastic or whatever. And we're a, uh, a little envious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe we're a little bit uh, in, in, in intimidated too sometimes. Um, but I think sometimes also what we realize at the end is that if we is that once we get to know these people, they have lots of problems too. Right. You know, and yeah, she, uh, Cheska she's very has. Empathetic, yeah. Thank you. I mean, I mean, she, I mean, I wanted to make her a real person, a real human being yeah. who has doubts and fears and concerns, even though she is so a, attractive in so many ways. There was a review that uh, mentioned that this is a book about people who have first world um, struggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of take a uh, bit of issue with that because, I mean, first world um, struggles are, I think, you know, have been part of literature for as long as people have been writing books. I mean, if, if, we, if, yes. I mean, if we are talking about love, if we, are, we are, if we are talking about doing the right thing, if we are talking about, you know, how best to lead our lives, which, which is what I'm trying to do, I mean, you can talk about... Uh, Gatsby, perhaps. Gatsby or uh, <laughs> Tolstoy or Balzac or, or Dickens or Trollope. I mean, I mean and again, I, I'm not trying to actually compare myself no, to know. them. But, to, but yeah, th- to being, level I mean, that. I mean, if you look okay. at first world problems, I mean, you would have to get rid of most of the greatest works. I mean, uh, I mean... Uh, uh, um, uh, so, 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 these are people, yes, who do come from a certain world, a certain background. But you know, that doesn't mean that their uh, tragedies aren't just as real. I agree, and you make, and like I said, you 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 show us that, and you 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 make us feel that empathy. So well, I think you. that was very successful. Now, I would like you to tell the story of how you eventually segued from a magazine writer and got your first book. Indiscretion published because it involves a character, a beautiful redhead. Yes, it does. That could have come, in my right. opinion, directly from the pages of your novel. Truly, truly. I mean, except that it also is that it seems almost too good. I mean, yeah, if you, you read know, it, you, right. you would People sort of say, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Right, but sure, I mean, exactly. I, know, I know this woman. I work with her. Right, Go right. ahead. I had always wanted to write a, to write a novel, something that I really wanted to try, and I said, okay, I'm going to be 50. I've got to try this before I turn 50 years old. And because I did have a full-time job at Business Week, I didn't really have a lot of time. I have two young children. Um, you know, I have a wife. I have a mortgage, you know, the whole thing. So I, so I didn't have a lot of free time in which I could write. Um, so I would wake up every morning at 5, and I would write for a couple of hours until I had to get my kids up and take them to um, school. Um, and so it, it took me a long time to kind of write this first book, but I had the idea in my head um, 
about six or seven years before that. So were you walking around and exactly. thinking it was about in the it and back plotting shelf, you know, it right. and all of that stuff? Because, I mean, yeah. I would think about it all the time. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I so, so I had it pretty well mapped out in my head. Yeah. So when it actually came to putting it down on paper, you know, I felt pretty good about it. And when I was about maybe halfway through with it, you know, I, I got to the point where, you know, I, I showed it to a couple of friends that I knew. And we said, this is, the, I mean, everyone I knew liked it. And so I said, well, gee, you know, what's the, the next step? Well, obviously, you want to get into the hands of people who are in the, the industry. And, you know, the, the first step is to get an, an, an agent. And so I was thinking, well, who do I know? Yeah, I can. And, you know, and I was thinking, even though I'm in the magazine world, you know, the magazine world, you know, to those people who are not in the magazine world or the publishing world, you know, they are very different. So anyway, uh, I knew this beautiful redhead um, who works at the Harper Collins. Her name is Sharon uh, Rosenblum. And I called her up and said, you know, gee, I, I, would you like to have lunch? I said, there's something I'd like to talk to you about. So we go out and we meet, you know, um, and, and um, you know, I, I actually uh, utter those you know, four words that, words, that, yeah. that no one in the publishing <laughs> world ever wants to hear is, you know, I'm working on a book. And she kind of immediately, you know, kind of froze and, you know, changed her whole kind of, you know, mood and kind of went, oh, well, Charles. Yes. I asked, well, I mean, you know, I said, well, would you mind taking a look at it? Ah, oh, well, you know, I, I don't know, Charles. I can't promise anything. And, you know, it's very difficult, Charles, you know. And, you know, and, you know, and of course, I mean, you all know better than most, you know, how many manuscripts there are in the world. Oh, so many. And how many of them, rather how um, few of them actually finally make it into print. So uh, Sh Sharon reluctantly, but but very uh, lovingly agreed to, to kind of take this manuscript from me and, you know, um, ho holding her nose the whole time, but because she's a good, but because she's a good sport and said, okay. Anyway, two weeks later on, I, I get a call from her saying, we love it. Yep. We love it, and we uh, want it. I've, I've shown it to an, an editor here who loves it, and he wants it, and uh, I was just bowled over. And, and that and was indiscretion. And that, exactly, and so that was in, in, in indiscretion. I then uh, finished writing that, um, and, and, and I have a wonderful editor here named um, Henry Ferris, who, who, who um, has been a huge supporter and a big fan, and you know, full of all kinds of great advice. And, um, um, you know, we had a lot of fun with that book. And then so when it came to the next book, it was interesting. The, let me see, Girl in the Moonlight, even though it took me less time to write, um, I went through many more uh, drafts. Yeah, because you hadn't, you hadn't plotted it all out in your right, head, Right, right, for guess. like 10 years. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I had an idea, but it wasn't there. Eh, it's not quite right. So Henry was very good and very patient. He, you know, he read a couple of different drafts. And, and is, I always ask, who are your first readers? Was Henry one? Is Henry one? Of Henry them? was not. Yeah, I because it's, it's I don't unusual. want to waste yeah, his time. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, um, I have some friends who are not actually uh, literary. Um, I have a lot of friends who are uh, like investment bankers. Yeah. And I figure that if you can get an investment banker to actually read a novel, then yep. you're doing pretty well. Because, exactly. you know, they don't have a lot of patience. They don't have a lot of time. And so if they are willing to take the time to read a book and finish it uh, and like it, you know, um, then that's a good thing. Yep. So, so I was able to get that kind of feedback, and that was very helpful. Yeah. And actually I've given that advice 
to other writers now yeah. as well. You know, don't give the book to friends of yours who write. Interesting. Because yeah. they are going to be full of all kinds of opinions and stuff that maybe you don't need. Right. You know, um, because they are thinking, oh, how would I do it? Yes. Now, I often ask our authors about themselves as readers. Right. So what was the last book that you had a conversation about, and what did you say? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I read a very interesting book recently. A friend of mine in Washington uh, gave me a book from 1963 by a author named Mary uh, Durant called A Quartet in Farewell Time, which I had never heard of, never heard of her. book's been long out of print, and it was wonderful. Tell us. what, what... It was the story of a woman who kind of takes advantage of people, but told through the points of view of four people in her life. And it was fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And it was beautifully written. Yes. Uh, I was really taken by it and, and, and was set in New York in the 1960s. And, you know, this uh, the central character is this, this is kind of beautiful waif. But also she's a little sly and yeah. she takes advantage of people. And, you know, the, the uh, first narrator is a uh, Russian artist who kind of falls in love with her. And, you know, and she kind of uses him and then she moves on to somebody else. And so yeah, I can see so how this would all, appeal to you. Yeah. No, and it was really good. I mean, I really liked it. And, I mean, it was like 160 pages or something. It wasn't wow. long. Yeah, that's um, interesting. But it was it was a terrific book. And, and I'm, I mean, I, and so I I talked about that with my friend who, I mean, who actually gave it to me. But. Um, uh, you know, that, that's something that, um, I mean, I mean, I was really pleasantly surprised because you don't expect to kind of come across books of that sort, you know, which I'm, you know, I mean, I'm very sorry to say that, 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 you know, she only wrote two novels. Um, the, the, the second one, I can't re recall the name of, she then married a fellow who was a, uh, birder and they wrote a bunch of books on oh, birds. Birding books. Yeah. And so that was, so she wrote about That's 10 or 12 books on birds, wow. you know, and, and or maybe maybe five or six birds, but, but she wrote a bunch of them in the rest of her career yeah, 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 basically writing these, these books about birds. Hmm. Um, and anyway, I mean, it's, it, I mean, she had a lot of talent and, and it's, I'm very sorry to uh, see that she didn't do more. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, if you had to recommend a book to a 13-year-old boy who <laughs> we, we often consider, you know, the quote-unquote reluctant reader. Right. Well, I have one, or I had. I mean, I, I, my son is now actually uh, sixteen years old, so I've been there, and he is a reluctant reader. I mean, he's it, an. It I mean, happens to every one um, of them, it seems. He, I mean, um, he's a jock. I mean, I was a reader, so that was easy. I mean, I would read anything when I was a child. Uh, he's a jock. Um, I gave him um, John John McPhee's book about. Bill uh, Bradley called A Sense of Where You Are. Oh, how interesting. Which was terrific because it, 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 it was a... Because that's a jock, then it goes on to do something, you know, sort of morphs into something else. Well, it, it, one, actually, yeah. well it, it was based only on the time when Bill Bradley was on the Princeton basketball yeah. team. So And and this was before he'd actually become a like, senator. Okay, I think. got it, yeah. And, so it, and he was just this, uh, he was a phenomenal, phenomenal, He's a phenomenal young yeah. uh, basketball player and, 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 and very dedicated and very disciplined and um, a wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, so my son reluctantly read that. Um, 
and and um, you know, it, I mean, but he did it and he enjoyed it. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I won't say that he enjoyed. It. I mean, I mean, he would much rather be outside actually uh, playing bat playing basketball than actually yeah. reading about basketball. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, six foot six, so wow. so that you know, really is so his he thing. likes to play basketball. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right, I have one more question. Sure. Because I see I see the redhead. Right. I'm waiting for you outside. Right. Um, were you to be banished to a desert island huh. and you could only take three books? Right. Ah, uh, well, um, uh, War and Peace, um, which I'm actually re reading right now. It's just such a wonderful book. The Odyssey. Uh -huh. Good one. Would I be actually cheating if I said uh, the Oxford book of English verse? No. Okay. That's a good one. All right. Because I think that would kind of help. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a very specific way. Exactly. Well, I, but also, I mean, but there's so much there. Yes. You know, I mean, it's a, uh, a real compendium, and it'd be hard to get bored, you know, and also you could uh, memorize a lot of stuff if you were bored. There you, you go. Know. Well, thank you so of very course, much. Well, thank, thank you, you very for the much. book. It's, I appreciate it. It's wonderful, and I'm sure you're going to find huge success. Well, with thank it. you very thank much. You. Uh, uh, this has been a, a lot of fun, and uh, thank you to uh, the audience for uh, taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and this episode was edited by Sharon Matlin with production help from Jennifer Monroe. The books featured in this episode are available for purchase wherever books are sold. Please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents, and you can send us a question or comment via our Facebook page. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from leading figures across books, culture, and the arts, all brought to you by Harper Audio Presents.